0: Room. Well, you know what's interesting is uh, one of the uh, carols that we've sung today, actually one of the most played Christmas carols is Joy to the World and it talks about room and I'd like to uh, read you the uh, the opening verse of this Christmas carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I mean, that's even just an interesting statement, isn't it? Why, if you're king, do you need people to receive you? But there's something strange about this king that people need to receive this king. Let every heart prepare him room. That's strange, if you're king. Do you notice that word there? Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. So today I'm going to talk about room at Christmas time. And I want to tell you the first two verses of the Bible actually tell you that God made everything. And that makes complete sense. It makes complete Sense. Some people might think, well, it's strange that God made the world. Well, I would suggest to you today that it's strange uh, for people to suggest that a completely random process came up with you and everything else around you. It actually makes far more sense to believe that someone intelligent made it than, uh, than that happened by random uh, consequence of actions. You see, the precise nature of the conditions for life that we have on this planet, the extensive nature of the ordered and intelligent information in D- DNA um, Look, we went to, uh, one of the places we went, went to when we were on holidays was Sydney. And uh, we stayed on the northern beaches and we caught the Manly Ferry. Who's done the Manly Ferry before into Sydney? Beautiful, isn't it? So the first day we went, we did the city um, and we came around that, that bend. I don't know what it is in nautical terms, but we came, came around the corner and saw the Opera House and the, and the Sydney Harbour Bridge and it was beautiful. I remember coming back that night and saying to my boys, what... Uh, did you learn about God from what you saw today? You know what they said? They said something like this. They said, we just saw lots of things that people made, mostly. I mean, the harbour was there, but we saw lots of things that people made. Do you know the next day we went to Taronga Park Zoo? And do you know we saw lots of things, in a sense, that God made? And do you know what the difference was between the things that people made and the things that God made? The things that people make are dead things. <laughs> God makes living things. He makes these incredible things and you can actually learn Romans 1 tells us you can learn a lot about what ga- God's character is like by looking at the things that he has made you see it takes a genius to make the harbour bridge in the opera house doesn't it what kind of genius does it take to make an aardvark <laughs> you see we rocked up at uh, Taronga Park Zoo and the thing that greeted us before we even got through the gates was one of these in full flight now that that's amazing isn't it Isn't that amazing? That's better than an opera house. That's better than a harbour bridge. Think of the intelligence that it took to make an opera house and a harbour bridge. Think of the intelligence that it takes to make a peacock. That shows off. Let's go back to the uh, scripture. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Listen to this. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Do you hear this? Plenty of room for God, isn't there? He's everywhere. Plenty of room for God well let me go to the first time that there was no room for God and do you know this happens in Genesis 3 I'm not, I'm not going to read that and that's just up there to prove to you that what I'm saying is the, the correct thing from the Bible in Genesis 3 what actually happened is the devil came along and he tempted Adam and Eve and he said you don't have to listen to God you don't have to do what he says you can do your own thing and do you know they listened to the devil and they went in that direction and for the first time in human history there wasn't room for God he got shut out. And you can see that in the last paragraph up on the screen there. After Adam and Eve had failed and turned their back on God, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Do you get this? There's no room. There's no room for God anymore for Adam and Eve. And so they hide from him. But yet, we actually go along in the biblical story a little bit more, and what we actually find is that there's another man after a number of generations that have no room for God. There's a man that comes along, and he has room for God. And his name was Noah. Listen to this these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, there was no room for God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Do you know what God did in the flood? And the interesting thing, some of you might go, this is a bit fanciful that there's some kind of flood, but I want to suggest to you today, if you actually go and look at a lot of ancient stories of most ancient people in the world, they've got a flood story in it, like a worldwide flood story in it, which is some kind of indicator to you that a worldwide flood event happened if a lot of people's stories include a flood like this. Well, do you know what's interesting about this story here is Noah had room for God, didn't he? There was room there. No one else had room for God. And do you know, this is one of the themes hopefully that you're going to see as we go through today, is that because the people who don't have room for God, all they miss out on is His kindness. That's what they miss out on. Now if you look at Noah, he had room for God. And what did God do? God saved him and his household. But what did he do for everyone else? Well, they got justice. They missed out on the kindness. There was a man, the lead man of his day, and he had room for God. And then we go on a little bit further. In Genesis 11, there's a story, most of you might have heard of this. There's a story, the Tower of Babel. There's a bunch of people who thought, you know, we're really great Whenever humanity says we're really great, you've just got to be careful because it usually means there's not much room for God left. We're really great. We're going to build a really big tower. We're going to bake the bricks really, really well and we're going to reach right up to the heavens. And do you know what it says in the Bible? Is it actually says God had to come down to see it. It's a pretty big tower, wasn't it? <laughs> pretty lame-o, All right? He comes down and what does he find? He finds the people that don't have room for him. And do you know what he does? He gives them different languages. And he scatters them over the face of the world. He made room for himself at their expense. Did you notice that? That's what he does. If people don't make room for him, he will make room for himself at their expense. But yet we go along a little bit further and there's some more good news. Abraham. Those of you who know about Abraham, you know that Abraham had room for God, didn't he? God came along and he said to Abraham, uh, the father of, of the Christian faith... God said to Abraham he says basically go out leave and I'll let you know where to go after you've left now some of you men out there are just kind of that's a good verse to quote to your wife all right when you go driving all right we'll just go we don't need to ask anyone why is he going no you just you just ask someone where you should go no no we'll be at quite that one right especially this one in Hebrews 11 verse 8 says Abraham went out not knowing where he was going all right that actually tells you something about Abraham's heart, doesn't it? Doesn't it actually tell you that God had there was room in Abraham's heart for God, wasn't there? And God could direct and move Abraham where he wanted him to go. You see Abraham moved so God could be in his rightful place. He Abraham knew that it was right to make room for God. And Abraham also knew that it was right and good for him too to make room for God. He knew that God would take care of him then we go on a little bit further in the story of Israel in the Old Testament we're just doing a bit of a survey here through human history and we get to this point it's a bit of a scary point where there's no room for God again the people of uh, Israel uh, were meant to be a theocracy which basically means God's their king and the people had had enough of that they wanted a real king in their view they wanted a real king And so they came to Samuel, the prophet of the day, and they said, Samuel, we want a real king. Listen to uh, what God says. Samuel prayed to the Lord. This is in the middle there. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. You see that? There's no room. No room for God anymore. You see God had been raising up people to lead Israel in Samuel's time but none of those were ever meant to be king because God was always meant to be the one who was king. But it got to the point with the people where there was a time that that was not enough. A time where people didn't want God to be their king anymore and they wanted a real king and there was no room. So the first king that was actually appointed was King Saul. And King Saul actually went pretty well for a while. He had a good burst at the start. He was kind of like someone running a marathon. He goes out hard at the start and then he kind of ran out of puff. All right, that's kind of what happened with Saul. And God gave uh, Saul a specific task at one point in time and said, I want you to go and do this. I want you to battle these people and I want you to devote everything to to destruction, basically, that you get. Now, what happened with Saul is he decided he was going to keep a whole bunch of the booty, basically. And in doing that, We actually see uh, this section in 1 1 Samuel 13 verse 14. Uh, This is God speaking to, uh, to Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Do you get that? What's actually happening there is God saying to Saul, you didn't make room for me. You may have made room for me in lots of areas but when I asked you to do this specific thing, you didn't make room for me. see Saul's heart actually became filled with the opinions of other people like when Samuel asked him why didn't you do what God said he said I was fearful of what the people said and I uh, and I think he probably just got caught by the the booty basically like the the animals and the and the wealth of the thing and so he got booted a man after God's heart who was that who knows who that was that was David isn't that God saying listen you didn't make room for me anymore, so I've got someone who's like me who makes room for me. Isn't that what it is? And God said, I'm going to put him on the throne. Yet even David, for those of you who know the story, even David had moments where he didn't have room for God in his heart. Other things squeezed God out. And if you look at the story of David's dynasty, um, kingly dynasty, you just see that the seeds actually get sown there for the downfall of his dynasty. And then what we actually th- see through the rest of the Old Testament is we actually see person after person, leader after leader failing, not making room for God until God decided to stop talking. He just stopped talking. Now, this, some of you might go, okay, that's fair enough. I do that all the time. Do it to my husband, it works really well. All right? But you've just got to believe that God actually describes Himself as the Word. God is, by His very nature, a communicator. So you've got to believe that when God stops talking, that's a really, really big issue. You can see a, a prophecy of this in Amos 8 verse 12, where the talking God is silent for 400 years. The prophecy says, They shall wander, Israelites shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the Word of the Lord, but they shall not find it you see what amos is saying he's saying god is going to stop talking to you and you'll go around wanting to find out what he thinks and he won't be talking to you anymore because people didn't make room for god but do you know what's interesting about the the biblical record is that we actually find out that god will always make room for him to be king in his world won't he he always will For those that make room for God there's grace and there's kindness but for those who don't there's actually justice because it's actually not right for God to be king over the world and for him not to have room like that doesn't make sense that's why when you read that first verse of joy to the world it doesn't really make sense because you're going well hang on why do people have to make room for someone who's king shouldn't he just have room why would people have to make room for someone who created everything doesn't he just have it by default well not really we're kind of living in this parallel universe a little bit to what actually should be aren't we and it's like somehow God's got to find a way to make room without destroying people yet after 400 years of silence there's a mysterious change isn't there God decides that the time is right to nudge his way into this world and how would he do it well he nudges his way into the world as a baby That's what he does. He nudges his way into this world because a teenage girl makes room for him, doesn't she? I'm going to read all of this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. Listen to how Mary responds but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It's <laughs> that, probably an understatement maybe I don't know all right but if you had an angel show up and said greetings you'd probably I mean here's the deal whenever God kind of shows up or an angel shows up the people they freak out all right and usually the first thing that God or the angel says is don't be scared. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favour with God. And behold, actually, I'm just going to pause there as a side note. For those of you who get anxious about anything, do you know the most, the the command that God gives the most in the whole of the Scriptures? Don't be afraid. Like if you, like just stop for a second on that, right? When people think of Christianity, if you're not a Christian here today, often what people think of Christianity is it's a whole bunch of rules. Well, what about that one for a rule? That's, in terms of frequency, that's number one rule. All right? That God says over and over, th- don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, if you found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and we will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary, listen to this, and Mary said to the angel, this is a really good question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Which is basically God saying, I'm God, I created everything, I created you, I can just do it. All right? Uh, therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of God listen to what Mary says and think about room and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word what's she saying I'll make space for you I'll move out of the middle and I'll make room for you I will be displaced so you can have your rightful place you see What we've actually uh, been doing here is, I hope hope you've noticed is, we're switching from room to no room for God. And that's kind of human history, isn't it? It's just like room, no room, room, no room. doesn't end there. What about this? All of a sudden, there's no room. Can you just advance that slide, please, Diff? All of a sudden, there's no room. Just go back on. Do you know what happens at Jesus' birth? There's a death warrant out on his life. Have you ever thought about that? From the very beginning, the kid gets born, Herod catches up with the wise men. I remember this classic old joke years ago. It was like, what's the definition of impossible? Three wise men. But hopefully that's not true. (laughs) All right. Um, You just think about it. Jesus has just been born. The wise men have seen the star. They're going to visit him. And what does Herod want to do? He wants to kill him. That's what, that's what he wants to do. So you think about it, you just think, why does Herod want to kill a baby? Do you know why Herod wants to kill a baby? Partly because he's psycho, all <laughs> right? Because that Herod was psycho. And you can read the stuff about it in uh, the Antiquities of the Jews, in Josephus' historical writings. He was a Jewish historian about 400 AD. You can read all his stuff about uh, Herod. He was, he was kind of pretty nuts. I mean, he thought his own brother was going to, try and take over the throne so he killed his own brother had his own brother killed so uh, just a whole bunch of weird stuff right why did Herod want to kill a baby because the baby was challenging for the throne that's why and that's the interesting thing about God that's the kind of the twist I guess a twist of lemon is that God not just his way in but he's not interested in just being a little baby He's actually a king. He's the rightful king and your and my life go better when he's king because that's just how it's all meant to work. It's all meant to work that he's king. The God, the everlasting God, the king, the creator became a baby. The owner of everything became a baby and do you know what we know from the story? What happened when uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus show up at Bethlehem? Anyone know? No room? Do <laughs> you get this? See the pattern? There's just no room. There's no room anymore for Jesus. And where we end up is here. You see, from his birth there was a death warrant. And he had a lot of people who wanted to kill him. Some people wanted to kill him because he raised a man back to life. (laughs) So think about the irony of that. You raise that guy from the dead, so we're going to kill you. And then they decided they came up with a plan to kill the guy that was raised from the dead. Which I think is hilarious because do you think he'd be scared of it? Mm -hmm. He just goes, I've done this before. (laughs) You guys can have a crack, it'll be okay. This is where it ended. There were so many people wanting to kill Jesus throughout his life. They finally get their wish. Those of you who know the story know that at the end the offer gets put out uh, to the people. Do you want a convicted criminal to be free or do you want Jesus to be free? And they opted for the convicted criminal. There was no room for Jesus in them. They cried out crucify Him. He was killed on a Roman cross. Yet ironically it was their squeezing of him out that was the saving of the world you see God gave up his child so you could become his child do you get that God gave up his child for you in Jesus so that you could become his child you see the death of Jesus is all about the room, no room pattern, isn't it? There were some people that had room for Jesus, some people didn't, but he just nudged his way in. There's a beautiful uh, scripture at the start of John, chapter 1, verse 9 to 13. says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, that's Jesus, was coming into the world. Listen to the irony that, uh, that John pulls out here. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Like, who has ever heard of that? <laughs> Who's ever heard of that? You sh- you, you've, almost, you've got to be incredulous. <laughs> with what J- That's kind of what John's trying to do with you. He's just going, seriously? Like, he made everything and yet people don't even know who he is? And it, it may be true today that there may be some people sitting out here today and you don't know who he is. And he made you. Like, that doesn't kind of make that much sense. He came to his own people... Listen to this irony. And his own people didn't receive him. That's weird. I mean, some of you are probably going to experience that in your families today. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) It's just like maybe there's relational tension in your families. That can happen on Christmas days, right? Well, you better believe that if that's you and you're going to a place where there's a bit of relational tension today, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. In fact, he knows more about how you feel than anything you've ever experienced. He has had the ultimate relational tension in his family. His own children don't even know who he is. They're estranged. But listen to the good news. But to all who did receive him, to all who make room for him, who believed in his name, listen to this, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. Do you hear that? This is the great story of the whole of the universe is that you and I in Adam and Eve didn't make room for God, but he came as a baby. He, God the Father, gave up his child so that you could become his child. That's the great story. Is anyone with me on that? Isn't that exciting? And that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about a whole bunch of people that didn't make room for God, but God coming in, nudging his way in so that people will make room for him. And it leaves us with one question at the end here. Why don't people have room for God? Well, do you know, I think it's like the inn, or the inns at Bethlehem. No vacancy, isn't it? No vacancy. You see, this is the battle, isn't it? Is that the king wants to come. And he's a good king. But do we have, do you have, a no vacancy sign-up? even today. Sometimes you can get, on Christmas Day, you can get consumed with presents. They can fill your heart, can't they? Uh, Anxiety can fill your heart. We talked about that before. You know, sin, where you disobey God, where you want your way over God's way, that fills your heart. There's no room there, is there? You can be bitter. Bitterness can fill your heart, can't it? And leave no room for God. Troubles can leave no room, can't they? And I'm not in any way criticizing people who have got no room in their heart because of troubles, but they have that way of happening, don't they? I mean, troubles kind of happen to you and you just kind of go, I can't fit anything else in, I can't think about anything else, I've just got these troubles right in front of me. I tell you, materialism will leave no room. Boxing Day sales might not leave much room. Consumerism leaves no room. You know, iPhones can leave no room. Relational tension can leave no room. There's lots of things that you can stuff in your heart that put up the no vacancy sign. Or you could make room for Him. And I believe there's lots of you here today that have made room for Him. And I'm just encouraging you today to make lots of room for Him. Let Him be everything for you today. You see... The whole notion that humanity can shut God out, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's insane, isn't it? When you think about that, like if God is who He says He is, the actual human thought that we can just shut Him out and we don't have to have any part of Him is just insane. And I come back to a point that I made earlier. Do you know what happens if you shut God out? You just miss out on His kindness. That's what you miss out on. If you don't give Him room, He will come and make room. But do you know what? You will miss out on his kindness because it's only right and fair that the king for whom people did not make room would be vindicated it's only right and fair that the one who is the most valuable person in the whole universe who gave up everything for you would be treated as such by people that he created you see the ultimate definition in a sense of sin is your heart loving something that's not god and as soon as you start to do that, do you know what starts to happen is you start to shrink? Because sin is constricting. We uh, had a, uh, the boys had a photo with a, a python at Taronga Zee. It got to hold it, uh, it got to hold one of them. <laughs> and it was constricting on one of them. Not in a bad way, it was, it was fine, but it was constricting on one of them. Do you know? That's what sin does. It's constricting. It just squeezes in tighter and tighter and people's worlds get smaller and smaller and smaller. I want to finish with this marvelous quote from uh, St. Augustine. Here's what he says. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, The fountain, thirst, the light, sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witnesses, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded. life might die.